You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. So I've been doing this a long time, 30 plus years. Every day, every day when I walk into a room, when I walk into a meeting, It is this constant, am I balanced? Am I level? Am I able to impart what I'm needing to impart? What is my impact? I think that was the thing, like I would have great intentions, but then my impact would really suck. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Anissa Telwar Kaker, founder and CEO of Anissa International and Anissa Beauty. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Anissa Telwar Kaker is the founder and CEO of her namesake business, Anissa International. She is proud to be the only female-owned brush manufacturer in the world. For almost three decades, Anissa has pioneered the leadership, product development, and culture of her globally branded business through the design and manufacturing of cosmetic brushes for makeup and skincare. Committed to cleaner, safer, and responsible manufacturing, her facilities employ over 500 individuals dedicated to the practice of cruelty-free and ethically made products. In 2019, Anissa launched her own line of innovative and sustainable beauty and skincare tools, Anissa Beauty, which is guided by her belief that all of us have the right to be seen and feel beautiful. Anissa, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so excited for this conversation. I cannot wait to learn from you. I just, I have so many questions, but first, welcome. Thank you. This is very exciting also for me. I love talking about just the history of things and also talking to someone who also is really working on building something. Well, I appreciate it. We can definitely say that we're builders. Um, I think that when we talk about the beauty industry, you know, people automatically hear beauty and they think about the outward appearance. But what we like to talk about is really the business of beauty. And I have to say, the more that I started learning about you as a person, as a business person, the more excited I got because you represent the back of house side of beauty that makes it all work. But then you also represent the front of house of beauty 
in terms of your products. So I want to start with, you've been in the industry, you've been leading us for over three decades. You had this amazing idea and you also said, I want to be an owner. So where did that start? Where did it come from? Were you this way growing up? (laughs) Tell us everything. So it's not a sexy story and it is really about fortitude, adversity, you know, things are put in front of us and we get to make choices, right? So I was very young when I started working in international business. I had the opportunity to work in a family company, but again, that was through adversity because my parents had gotten divorced. My mother was now going to have to raise four children and she wanted to become an entrepreneur in the 80s, which I don't think that was the word then. It was like sole proprietorship. Mm -hmm. Out of that, this necessity that she had to travel because she was building a business, I was left at 17 to pretty much kind of take care of things at home. In that process, right, there was so much that I learned, so much that I was privy to that most 17-year-olds would not be. And I learned a lot about international trade. I learned about letters of credit. I learned about marketing and sales. I learned about strategy. When her business actually fell apart when I was 24, you know, seven years later, which was really, really tough because I had not finished college and I did not have another plan. Like this was the plan. The family business was the plan. And in the process of working with my mother, I had met this gentleman who his family business was cosmetic brushes. And so at 24, I was looking for something to do. And I asked him if I could please sell his brushes. And once I got paid, I would pay him because I didn't have a line of credit. I really didn't have any money. And (laughs) That's, I mean, literally how it all began. Wow. You know, it's interesting that you talk about kind of adversity and how we overcome it. Um, We had a guest on the show, Kim Roxy, who has Lameet Beauty, and we talked a lot about kind of her childhood, what happened, and what's been this interesting theme, I think, through all founders and with all founders is that no one leaves childhood unscarred in some way. And we've all had to overcome some form of adversity that's gotten us to the other side when we could have just sat on the sidelines. And it's the ability to speak up. So what I love is that you're like, we were going to do this family business. And we talk about that family business a lot, generational inheritance. And then you meet someone who kind of changes this course and track and destiny. And did you know back then about, because you it rolled off your tongue so smoothly about lines of credit, like what was the negotiation and how did you even find the customers back then to say, I'm going to sell these brushes? So back then there was no internet, there was not Google. You know, we have the yellow pages. We had this something called the Thomas Registry. And I just knew that I had to survive. There was a real tenacity to me in the sense that I I was just not built to work for anybody else. And as I mentioned, I didn't have a formal degree and I didn't think anybody would want to hire me. That was another thing about, you know, self-value, self-worth. I did not understand what I had already learned and what I was capable of. So it just felt like I had to do it myself, right? That nobody would want me. And so therefore (laughs) I needed to figure it out. (laughs) And I had gotten used to, you know, because being being with my family, even though, or I'm first generation American, she did not come to this country with much, but she had built something. She had really shown me that the possibility of creating your own destiny financially. And I got used to that at a pretty young age. 
So I feel that working with her, I didn't know what I was learning. You know, meeting with banks, having to deal with accountants, sending things on a telex machine, having to read what a tender or a bid was, having to learn competition. And that's just a normal part of life. It was, it was, you know, the school hard knocks, right? And I think I just was built to absorb it. And I didn't know how much I learned until looking back now, you know, she was teaching me all the time. And some of it was good stuff and some of it was not good stuff. But the not good stuff is almost like we learn better on how not to do things. And she taught me a lot of things like don't concentrate all your customers. You know, you need to diversify your customer base. Um, You know how you it's really important that you do have good partners when it comes to bankers, when it comes to accountants, when it comes to people that you can trust and build a team with. And you know, valuing people that work for you, like really understanding that they matter. So she taught me so much in the ways because she didn't do it very well. So I learned a lot. <laughs> well, and and it's so interesting because people talk about failure and you even said, you know, the business didn't have the outcome that you wanted. And I don't necessarily believe in failure in that way if we can learn from it. And and you have that innately. And like you said, you didn't know back then, but you learned all of the things and then you've been able to apply them. And I really love, there's kind of two pieces of this that I think are so paramount. I love a quote and you said, our struggles do not own us, right? And you've talked about that in overcoming. And then the other thing that I've read on your Instagram that was phenomenal is that it is impossible to create a dream without believers in the dream. (laughs) And so even as you were telling that story, you've talked about the things that you've learned. So maybe we didn't apply it back then. I'm implying it now. And the beauty of having a team and people that you can trust. Um, I named my company brain trust because I believe in that, but talk about those two things in parallel and how that was really the catalyst for what you then went on to create. So I also want to be really clear that I have been not great in so many ways that this has been a really, really tough road because coming from that situation, I came into starting my own business with a bit of PTSD. You know, maybe I had not emotionally matured. So actually my teenager was running the business a lot, which was not great. I had learned how to, you know, because my mother was in, again, in the 80s, an entrepreneurial female who was it was tough for her and the, you know, the clients she was dealing with. So she had to strong arm a lot. So I learned how to like, Oh, you need to strong arm. And I learned so much stuff that really, you know, it's taken me a long time to still undo and I'm still undoing it. I'm still, and I think the one good thing maybe about all that was that it created me um, having this need to be self-aware because I knew I was coming into situations already a bit damaged. I always was thinking about this. Okay. Did I handle that right? Could I have done that better? What, what is this gauging how I was feeling? If I was, couldn't sleep at night because of a conversation I had, you know, it, it started to drive this need to improve. And again, I'm going to be 57. So I've been doing this a long time, 30 plus years every day. Every day when I walk into a room, when I walk into a meeting, it is this constant, am I balanced? Am I level? Am I able to impart what I'm needing to impart? What is my impact? I think that was the thing. Like I would have great intentions, 
but then my impact would really suck. Excuse my language, but it would. <laughs> and, I, and I have these, you know, and I, I'm trying not to focus on, okay, what do these people want around me? What is it that I want to impart? So I have so much to offer now. I'm still willing to really build our business. After COVID, I feel like we're starting to pick up again. But again, it's, it's an everyday thing. I don't think we get time off when we're a leader in an organization that other people depend on us. It's an interesting thing because we really don't. And it's hard because even when we get the time, we're always thinking. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so there's like the passion of it. I'm passionate. And so I'm always going to be thinking about it. And then it's the moment of how do you turn off so that you can have so much. It's like I talk a lot about self-actualization, right? And how you mentioned self-awareness, because as much as we go, 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 we have to be self-aware when it's time to like sit down, be quiet so that we can kind of recharge ourselves because we never get to just truly kind of turn off. And I think it's just the wiring of the brain. <laughs> it may not be looking at a spreadsheet or being in a call, but it's the energy and the excitement of having the idea grabbing onto something in that moment so that you don't lose it and then really being able to move it forward. You articulated it very well. And I think that's what's really cool too. When we meet like-minded, we know, and I don't want to say the word crazy because I've been called, right? Like where people are like, you're just crazy. You know, I mean, I am so passionate about what I do. I am still really in love with what I do. It's yes, it's just brushes and I don't want to even discount anymore because now I think just brushes is really, really cool. And so <laughs> yeah. I am, I am very proud now of what I can do and what I've created and what I'm going to continue to create. But there's something I've been saying to myself because it used to be like, okay, I, got, I need to work on myself. And now what I'm saying is I want to work with myself. Like I'm doing this with me, not on, like, like I have to fix something or pound something into my head. I'm going to do it with a little bit more compassion and I'm going to walk beside me in a way that is more in partnership and kind. And that's what I think I'm also learning. Not everybody is going to be like me in the way that I drive. I've been up since two. I don't know why. I was up since two o'clock. <laughs> I was like, I'm organizing things. I want to get things better for my team. I'm, I've been traveling. I want to make it, give them the resources and the direction. So that's what I was doing since two o'clock. <laughs> I, I, I totally know. Right? Because I woke up and I was like, go back to sleep. You have to sleep till 4.30. Okay, you made it. <laughs> you have to sleep until five. And then it's like, I like, I can't wait. And I think it's so paramount when you talk about being on this journey with yourself and not pounding something down. And I have to do this and I have to be that. And so much is compassion and kindness. And we can be our own worst critic. And at the same time, I always say to my team, I was like, I know that I function at a higher capacity. And I'm not expecting that of anybody else. I know that about myself. So let me be me and function at my capacity. And you be you. And you function at your capacity. And we should be able to meet in the middle as a team and around our aligned vision and mission of what we're doing for the company. And so my role and what I'm responsible for will always be greater and it should. And we have to trust each other to know that we're going to come along. And so I completely appreciate because if you weren't saying, I got to get up, I got to do this for my team, then I think that that's where businesses 
don't survive when you have a passionate lead. I love what you said that you even said that to your team because someone did say to me recently that they mentioned to another team member about my brain. Like, do you feel insecure around Anissa because she remembers everything? Uh, and I don't want them to feel that way. We're not in a competition, right? We all have value. I've just been doing this a really long time. My brain has been able to adjust and to absorb and to expand in a way because I've been doing it so long. Nobody gets trained at the age I got trained at, really, you know, so, and it is what it is. So, but I, I was, I thought that was an interesting comment and I don't know how to address it yet because I want them to be who they are. Like I, that's why they're part of the team, right? I don't want another me. I got that slot filled. I want the differences because I have blind sides. I'm not perfect. And I want them to feel proud of who they are. And I am such a high performer and yeah, I can shine brighter sometimes. And I can take up a room and all that kind of stuff. But how do I make sure they shine too, right? And they feel really good about themselves, I think is something that's very important. You know, I, I love this conversation because as you're talking, I literally said to my chief of staff, we were doing something and I said, oh my God, I can't remember things anymore. She's huh. like, I'm like, I just don't remember. She's like, Kendra, you remember everything. Every time somebody says something, you're like, well, and not an email from October 12, 2016, you said, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do kind of remember it. And I love to be like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And I think that it's so important. Like I'm constantly saying brain trust, its name has so much intention and it really is about smart people that we trust to get it done. And mm -hmm. we all have to show up and bring our value because we just don't know it all and we couldn't. And I think that it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's why I loved, like you were just posting the pictures on Instagram of you and your team. And I love how you just talk about this notion and it can be, you know, people are like, hashtag teamwork, hashtag, you know, the teamwork makes the dream work. And I, I use it with the team because it's so real. And the reality is that when you're a visionary and you're a founder, we're always going to have these ideas, but it's the ability to have the team to help us execute on those ideas so that we can continue to innovate and iterate the business. And we need the people who are like, I don't really want to talk to you about the strategy right now. Can you just give me my tactical list of what I need to do? Let me go in my office and do it. And I'll follow back up with you for more of all of that um, at a later date. <laughs> well, it's great if they can say that to you. I mean, if they're able to say that to you, that's pretty amazing. Thank you. I, I feel you. I'm just, I'm on the same journey of the team. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's like, I can't even do a PowerPoint, you know, so I, I would be, I would be like, here's all my great ideas. And well, I would just be sitting there with great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the other thing is because you have, let's get into the business because I love this in terms of what you've created, your ability to say, I am taking ownership of my entire supply chain manufacturing. And we have so many founders. I literally was just talking to a founder who's preparing for a raise and they don't own any patents. And they were like, what are the importance of patents? And you have over 80 patent pending <laughs> brushes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So can you talk about the business, the growth, the hundreds of people that you employ, your two facilities now, like get into the business of this and how you've been able to manage it. So again, it's all about, we stepped into it, right? It didn't happen overnight. I worked with someone for almost 
12 years where I was just his agent. So I didn't own anything. I didn't even, I, maybe I had a couple of the design patents. I started to realize in my industry, I did not want to be a commodity product. I wanted to be able to be a profitable business. I understood working hard doesn't mean it's always going to be something that will, you know, create success. And I just didn't want to work for work's sake. Um, I wanted to be financially independent. I wanted to be able to take care of myself. That was really, really important to me. So therefore, the strategy has always been to create something that is innovative. And whether I could design something that didn't exist or whether I was speaking to something that existed in a different way, it has always been an innate part of my business model. And when I was working with this gentleman, I was able to really create different conversations and different ways brushes could be seen, not just in a little compact. How are they used? You know, something called product pairing. Nobody did it. Nobody took a brush and a, and a product in a room with a customer and together. And it was that simple, right? And those little thoughtful things and getting out of animal hair, you know, trying to get out of products that I knew if a consumer understood what was happening to the animal, they weren't going to like it eventually. So there was just, I don't know, I guess things that I just trusted that it, being a, a consumer, that if I knew that, would I like it? So I always trusted my own gut about it. And that started the journey, I think, of the, you know, the next steps. Then the gentleman I worked with for 15 years, he decided he wanted to go around me. He decided that he no longer wanted to work with me or he would work with me in his way after I had really built this business with him. Then I had to start my own manufacturing facility or I would have been in the same situation. Again, it was very adverse and then synchronistic things that would happen that would pull me forward. It would be terrifying. You know, it was two years I thought I was going to lose a business I built. And, you know, I lost a lot out of that, some customers, a marriage, you know. But at the end of the day, like, it was the best thing I ever did. And it gave me the ability to have confidence. I think that's what all these little steps have been, is to give me confidence, you know. And I am one, whatever you want to call it, I like to ask for signs. I like to ask for messages. I like to ask for confirmation. And I want to know I'm going in the right direction, that there is purpose to my life. And so every time I think I'm down, something comes around and says, you're not down yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, Anissa, it's so powerful because when we think about signs and we think about divinity and however you kind of explain and manifest that, I've found that the important thing is that I always say, like, God, keep my eyes open. Like, there's a hedge of protection around me. And we know in life that things will happen. But it's like, keep my eyes open so that if I believe in the signs and I believe in things crossing my path and divine interactions, then I have to be so aware that whenever it's happening, I know that that's a sign. And so I like how you talk about that, because with confidence, gives us so much more ability to hone in our minds and to say these signs are for me and then to make action on the signs because if we wait too long after seeing a sign and second guessing it for too much then we do miss that window of opportunity there's always if i can look at okay how much i've learned right i am i am discriminative there is wisdom now within me 
there is also a foundation that I've laid that was the foundation I had to rebuild after COVID. I, I, I realized my foundation wasn't as strong as I thought it was. So COVID again brought a blessing where I had to stand still and had to clean myself out and had to really mature and realize what I had to date, which was okay, but it wasn't as strong as it needed to be. So that realization was tough and having to deal with all that. Then I think this other part of, for me, is about being of service. So I have always, not always, but I think I have for some time now, I do want to be of service. So I would like to be, because I, it gives me gratification, right? And the business that we've created, yes, we create brushes. And I always think about my customer, how can I ensure those brushes are going to sell for them? I'm just not looking for a one hit wonder. I want us to have a partnership for a lifetime. I want them to be successful. I want my employees to be successful. I want us to have a ripple effect in the community. So I think also focusing on the the want to serve has created, it's just not about the money then. So then I have a lot more also endurance because right if sometimes it's like oh my god what's going to happen with them you know if there's you know when i did not let any of my employees go during COVID, and a part of me was like why would i keep them <laughs> like what am i trying to do you know what about <laughs> you know what about me and it was good after COVID, 30 percent of them left so it was going to be fine anyway so <laughs> <laughs> but i think if we can look at our lives look at ourselves and look at our businesses as tools of service too. It, it gives us so much more to live for. I always say like, I'm here to be of service and figuring out what that looks like. And it's been so rewarding with what we're doing with Brain Trust Founders Studio and supporting our Black Beauty and wellness founders and what we're doing with the funds. And I think that that to your point, it is the endurance because it's not as though we don't get tired just because we're high achievers doesn't mean we don't get tired. And when I think about, you know, for us, our most valuable person is the founders and making sure that they are well, that they're whole, that they have what they need, that they can progress their businesses forward. And I think that with any business, that service piece is so key. And what I love about the company, and I I really want to talk about your social justice work, is that it is a brush. And it means so much because it gives us the opportunity to be creative and to create this new palette and to start over and to express ourselves in such a powerful way. And I think that that's what makes it so beautiful and beyond just it's a brush, it's a product. And it's that being of service, that intentionality that makes it such a special brand beyond just the physical nature of something that you use to apply something else. Well, we've made it so. I think we believe in brushes so much that, yeah, we get people excited because what we're creating is so cool. Uh, it really makes a difference. I mean, I, I believe I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and, and so everybody else around me kind of drinks it too. So, uh, and when I hear somebody's like, oh my God, your brush changed my life. I'm like, yes, I knew it would. I, you know, I, I like what you're saying so much that you understand the struggle and you understand, I think, with the balance of the struggle, there's so much benefit. And if we can share that with each other, and I do not think everybody is an entrepreneur who starts a business. And I do not think everybody has to start a business to, like, we've had a lot of like, oh, I'm going to start a business. Okay, that's tough. 
it's mentally tough. It's emotionally tough. And it's just not about the money. Managing people, managing risk, constantly being the one that has to drive and create vision. Not everybody has to do that to feel successful or happy or be a boss babe. So it's when I do find people that are those that have it and we connect, you know, it is pretty phenomenal because it is a place that I think we didn't always have the ability to really speak in the same language, right? And everything you've said, I totally understand. (laughs) 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 And, And that's what's amazing. Like you're saying stuff, I'm like, oh my God, yes. And I love that you're younger than me. And I love that you have already learned so much that it took me so much time to learn. And so where are you going to take it next? Like that is what is really cool. Like where are you going to level all of this up? I'm excited to see. Oh my gosh. I'm out. My heart's beating fast. I'm like, Anissa, I will level all of this up. I, I will uh, let me see how long I stick around this because I'm, I'm excited. Well, I mean, thank you for that because I was so excited. Like I said to the team, I said, I just cannot wait to talk to her. I said, she's seen so many things that we can all learn from in business and as leaders. And I, I love how you talk about this notion of being an entrepreneur. And what does that really mean in the sea of social media, where everyone is starting a business every single second and calling themselves that? And the tenacity, the endurance And even like you, when you talk about it, I was like, I've started three companies. I've had two exits. And every single time it is still hard and it is still emotionally draining. And even in the business now, trying to navigate where do we go? What do we do? The sleepless nights because you care so much and also because we're responsible for so many people. And it is, it's that constant evolution. I was looking at something that we had, that we created, that we were just showcasing at an event. And I was like, Kendra, you have been trying to do this thing for literally 10 years. And I went back into when we started our first company in 2010. And I was looking at some of my notes and I was like, wow, we finally got to do it. And I was like, I'm just going to keep holding on, keep holding on. And I say to so many entrepreneurs in their 20s and 30s and you know early 40s who are starting. And I'm like, Take your time. It's a long game. Like these, I just started a company last week and now I'm IPOing. I was like, that's not, that's not the reality. You got to tinker. You got to grow. You got to learn. You got to figure it out. And yes, because of social media and the democratization of what we're experiencing in terms of being able to get into beauty faster, you know, yes, our can exits come faster than they did in the past. Like we don't have to be in the eighties. Like your mom, we can call ourselves entrepreneurs and we can stand up. But I still think this notion of understanding, looking at people who have gone before you, taking time to understand and navigate what's worked, what hasn't worked, and then applying that and having people like yourself who are willing to say, like, I had to grow confidence and I had to learn and do all these things. Like, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I do, you know, like I have been doing this a long time. I haven't exited. I've had, you know, I was in a trade show last week and people were like, we still doing this? I'm like, yep still doing it and a part of me is like yeah why are you still doing this I was on I I did a little panel and there was a photo of me and I was smiling like I was truly just I was happy and so I've seen women who they've exited and now they're trying to start something again so 
they already built something so beautiful that they could just keep on going. And then the, is it really worth it to start all over again? Is that what the game is then for them? Did they take that first company as long as it could have gone? Do we have in this our head that success is only an exit? So that's something I am. I, I know eventually, yes, I'm going to exit because it's just going to be time to exit. I'm going to do something else. I do other things now, too. I have a philanthropic arm that I really am developing and a muscle that I really find valuable and people will eventually can do what I'm doing and I don't need to keep doing it. Right. So, but what, like, I'm, I'm going to stop questioning myself and I'm going to be okay with, if I just want to do this for a hundred years, I mean, (laughs) and I love that because I think that we've gotten into this notion of success is only with the next and success is only this and success is only that. And there is this interesting notion of sticking in something, sticking with it, staying with it, passing it down. And I love how you talked about being happy because I think we can get so caught up in what everyone wants or the questions that people are asking that we don't have moments to just be happy in what we're doing. And it's like, we work so hard that happiness should be an output of getting to be the boss right? We do this to have the freedom to do what we want, to your point, to be financially independent, to say, I can do this. And if we lose the happiness or we go in this direction that someone else wants, then what would be the point of everything that we've done to lose ourselves and to lose our own happiness? Yeah, and I, what I've done to solve some of the growth within is, I, you know, my business to business, it's, it's really sustainable. I'm not as in it that I developed a D2C brand that was within my organization and adjacency. It made sense. Now I'm developing another D2C brand. So those are my extensions that I think are feeding that need for growth and expansion and like keeping me relevant. It keeps me then relevant on all levels. I'm better in my B2B business. I'm better in my D2C business. And then what's next? So what's next is probably going to be adjacency products that I've never designed before. So I'm able to grow within this umbrella, which I'm then I'm really grateful, right? But when I went from B to B to D to C in this period of three years, it was horrific. It was like I was starting a new company. I didn't know why I would do that. Nobody trusted or believed in me. My internal team thought I was dumb. I was like, wait, wait a minute, you know? <laughs> I've proven myself. They're like, no, you haven't. You've never done this before. Like, you know, it was just interesting, but it was very humbling. It was good that I did it. And um, I think, again, for us, education, because we're like, we learn on the job. So how do we keep educating ourselves? Well, and the education piece is so key. And I mean, seriously, give us some tips. You said that you went from B to B, B to D, B to C. Yeah. Yes, to see, I was like, what? And talk about that because I think that you have the people who we have a few founders who are like, I have my one hero product, right? I'm going to do this one hero product. That's what I'm going to do. How do I expand? I was talking to another founder who has 300 SKUs, but only, what was it, 20 of the SKUs are driving over 50% of the business. And so I like how you talk about this notion of here's the core. And then I can expand and extend in these other verticals. What are some of the tips or lessons that you can give to founders who are trying to navigate the expansion piece while also staying true to their core? 
I think it's not about ego. Um, that's what I think sometimes we'll do an extension or expansion because we think it's going to make us feel good or we feel like that's the thing we need to do. When I was the agent and I was just selling brushes, you know, the need was to fully integrate to start my own manufacturing. That was going to be, I knew the cornerstone of a infrastructure that would be pretty much, you know, as solid as I, they, I could get. It's not what I wanted to do. It was not my experience. Um, it was really, really tough, but I knew that created a thriving opportunity. So I think it's, again, looking at those things, not that, oh, that feels good. Let me, oh, that's good. That's what she's doing. So if I did it, it's more about looking at your business. What is it missing? Where are the challenges? Where are you losing? Is it supply chain? Is it your distribution? Is it your people? Like, is it the, you know, what is it? And wherever you are not doing well, that's where I would focus expansion. Because if you were able to build something, you must already have, a, you know, something, a knack for something. You built something, it's working. Focus on what's not working so this becomes better. That's what I have done. I feel like the reason I launched my own brand, not because I needed my name on a brand, my business was contracting because of Facebook, Instagram, influencers, the big companies weren't able to keep up. I was losing share. So if I didn't launch my own brand and elevate the brush, the brush is more than an Amazon set for, you know, $10. What we make and how we make it is very different. And if I didn't tell the world that or get it out there, we were going to just keep contracting. So it was not an ego play. It was a terrifying thing to do. And I needed to do it. I mean, it was really marketing intelligence, R&D. It was so many things. And now, like, oh, God, why was I so scared, you know? But, yeah, it makes sense. I didn't want to try to compete with my current customer. I needed them to understand I was doing this for both of us. And I'm going to benefit them because I'm going to launch brushes. And if they do well, I'm going to give it to them. So the win-win, you know? It really is a win-win. And I, I think it's so interesting because this notion of fear and doing something and then getting to the other side and being able to talk about it. And it goes back to what you said in terms of like looking at the signs, paying attention and yes. this focus on what's not working and allowing that to be your blueprint matched with the appropriate <laughs> diligence to say, let's expand. And even when you think about that, another question that, that we get, and I'm sure that you have a fantastic, I, I, this, this may be its own masterclass, but talk about financing because, you know, I wear two hats. I wear my funds hat and then I wear my other hat <laughs> of raising money on the other side for the studio. And you've had so much longevity and you have had the expansion. You do talk about COVID, but where have you set in terms of financing and funding and what do you recommend, especially using financing to expand versus keeping into a current business? I, I have learned so much from my mother. Okay. So again, very, very, very fundamental. You're not going to think I'm savvy at all. Um, I haven't done what other people have done where they've used other people's money. I have never um, expanded my business unless I was using my own money for risk. So when I built my factory in China, it was my own money. When, you know, I don't even, we don't really right now use anybody else's money. So I built 
the business on the profits of the organization uh, because I saw what happened to my mother, because she used so much leveraging. There's this illusion. And if every step is not met, you have nothing, you know? So, and also the thing is that I didn't want to also ever give away the value of my organization before I knew what the true value was. Yes. Uh-huh. And I, in the very beginning, I, um, in the very, very beginning, I had a small line of credit with this gentleman and he was literally like a loan shark. And so the minute I could get him out of my organization, I did. And it's not like he ever gave me any cash. He just gave me a line of credit that I could, you know, use as collateral. But what I had to pay him was so astronomical. And I made myself literally use an Excel spreadsheet where I would see what I was paying him. So I was very, very aware what his dollars were costing me. And I just didn't want that. And so I have really self-funded from the beginning and we will continue to do so. There might be a point where, of course, because of my age and everything that maybe, you know, I should consider. And I was considering a minority stake before COVID. And I'm, I want to find the right person though, because mm-hmm. I've been running my business for so long that it's going to be really hard for someone to come in and tell me what to do. Because <laughs> how do they know my business better than me? They're not going to. But if, you know, if I've taken their money, of course they have rights. And right now I think it's going to, I don't really need it. Um, and so I'm going to just continue this path probably until the day I'm just done. And so I can't really answer you about that. Like, I have never, you know, gone down that road. Well, you actually answered it perfectly. Okay, good. I was setting you up because I knew that you had it. And I wanted, (laughs) I was like, it was perfect. Thank you so much, Anissa. And I knew that you had it. And I wanted you to talk about it from that perspective because everybody in business has to talk what makes sense for them in business. And I think that it comes down to what we keep talking about education. The more you know, the more informed you are, the more you can make the decisions and the choices that are right for you, right? Every day we make a new choice that can go right or wrong, but we've made that choice. can't change the choice, but we have to lean into it. And so I think that it's very important for us all to hear different sides of the story. I think that it's very much glamorized to talk about venture capital and I got equity in this and I got equity in that. And there's nothing wrong with it. We all want to build generational wealth and we all deserve that. But I do think that there is another side, especially I'm surrounded by so many bootstrapping entrepreneurs who have bootstrapped here, who have bootstrapped there. And I think that it's about how do you approach it and what do you want the outcome to be? And being very clear, some people are getting into this business because they want to be venture backable. They want that. Other people are not in it and they still have successful, profitable businesses. And so I love how you talk about it. And again, you tied it into a lesson learned in terms of the loan shark. And so it was all, it's all so smart and gives the different side of the coin. So thank you. Oh, thank you. But I'm sure you could teach me a lot. So one day (laughs) (laughs) we'll have our coffee. We're going to sit and have a great time. Um, Well, I know that we are coming up on time. Um, Two last things, maybe three. But can you just talk quickly about the Anissa Advocacy Program? So much of what I do is racial equality, equity, striving towards parity and social justice. So can you just talk about that amazing work? 
So since, you know, my business was able to create profit and that I felt it would be important for me to be a good steward to give back, I have been really seeking out organizations within our community that directly impact those that are underserved. And so I am a big proponent of homeless animals because it has just been something that, you know, we think it's the animals. It's really a people problem. You know, people want to keep their pets. They're having a really hard time affording keeping their pets, what pets do for a family. So that's something that's been important to me. Directly families and communities here that do not have the opportunity to have the, the, the equity um, has been something, too, that I have been very passionate about. And then, again, with COVID and with Black Lives Matter and just everything that happened and we had to stand still and watch. It woke me up in a way that it's still shocking today that I was so asleep. And, you know, my father came to this country as, you know, as an immigrant. He worked in a black college in Tennessee. And, you know, I was raised in Nashville and I'm not totally white, but still I didn't get it. You know, I didn't get that even I had privilege in a way that a lot of people don't of color. And it made me angry. And, you know, I had all these women around me who were living with this all the time and I didn't know. So I think now it's just an honor to get to contribute, that there's so many great organizations, that it's about information. It's about information. And hopefully, slowly, people wake up. And I'm not here to wake people up because I think it's a tough road to do. I just want to align and I want to be an ally and I want to keep learning for myself on so many levels. Like I am very much an advocate of LGBTQ also because of my nephew is trans and everything that's happening now in the state that I grew up in. I can't understand it. The fear people have to live with, you know, I just, it's just wrong, right? So anything we can do to make a difference to eradicate this injustice, I'm all for it. And I don't know if I'll ever make enough of a dent, but I'm going to do as much as I can. Wow. I get so emotional. Everyone knows sometimes I cry, (laughs) but I so appreciate the way that you approach it. And I, I think that so many of us saw so many different things that were painful that, you know, make us angry. I saw something the other day and I was like, I'm just angry but I can't live in anger. I can't fester there. And so what's the little thing that I can do? How can I support? And it was literally, I was like, how do I make a difference? Because it's so much greater than me. Right. And when you're of service to others, you know, that like you need this united front of people to do it. And so I appreciate how you approach it. I feel the same way. What happens in this lifetime, I will be proud of for every person that I touch, everything that we've done, you know, every conversation that we've had. And we just have to know that all of the small pieces are interconnected together whenever we're moving lockstep to make change. And so I just, I love what you're doing. I love how committed you are. We will definitely be doing things together on that front. Because as you were talking, I was like, oh, Anissa, oh, Anissa, we have so much to do together. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean it. So as we as we wrap the show, um, this is our give back moment, speaking of. Um, but we always like to end the show, of course, celebrating you and your amazing brand, but also highlighting another 
founder, another company, another brand that we should all check out and that we should all support. Um, so please share one that you want us to go and be fans of. Wow, there's so many brands. Um, when I think of who I would like to support, I am a big fan of um, Danessa Myricks. And because it's Black History Month also, you know, I have been really looking at uh, Black-owned brands. I also love, um, I'm sorry, like my brain is just not not where it should be. But I'm, I've been a big fan of Danessa lately. I, I've been actually using her products and loving them. I admire her. She, you know, she's younger than I am, but you know, she's been doing this like a long time and she's a real artist. And I mean, the style and the grace, and I just have been blown away by her. So, Oh, I love Danessa. And I loved you two together. I saw that you were on a panel together and like the energy, the fun. I was like, where was I? I just, you guys are great together. She's fantastic. I was just able to hug her up in New York a few weekends ago. Um, oh. And you're right. There's something so special. It's the talent. It's the artistry and being in it and supporting and just the experience. So, so very well done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I just appreciate you. This was fun. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm excited for the next 30 years so we can come back together. <laughs> and I look forward to, to continuing on this journey together. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this so much. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thank you, Anissa. This week, make sure to follow at Danessa Myricks. That is at Danessa underscore Myricks, who is an amazing, humble, talented makeup artist, photographer, and educator. And as always, I like to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is, how will you combine value passion, happiness, and all the things that make you you, that bring you happiness in developing something beyond your wildest dreams. Anissa knew that she had to survive and that she wasn't built to work for anyone else. And with that, she took her love, her passion, and created something that continues to bring her happiness which is something I wish for all of you. So follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.